It is with joyful hearts that we do adore Jesus Christ, our Lord. We ask, Father, that you would receive and embrace our praise of you this morning. We do praise the Lord for the gift of faith, the conviction of the Holy Spirit that Christ is Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that you regard the humble estate of sinners like us. For the sake of Christ and his glory, we pray. So let us stand, if you are able, for the reading of God's word from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. We're going to read from 39 through 56 this morning. And now at this time, Mary arose and went in a hurry to the hill country, to a city of Judah, and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leapt in my womb for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has had regard for the humble state of his bond slave. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. He has done mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who were proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, and he has exalted those who were humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty-handed. He has given help to Israel, his servant, in remembrance of his mercy. He has spoken to our fathers, to Abraham and his descendants forever. And Mary stayed with her about three months and then returned to her home. This is God's word. May be seated. Father in heaven, we do ask for your continued grace upon your humble servants this morning as we study the scriptures. Help us to count ourselves blessed. Blessed that we believe. Give us grace for the areas where unbelief has captured us. Fill us with joy in the Holy Spirit for all that you have done. Bring this morning to our remembrance the mighty deeds of our holy God that have been delivered to us in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. So the great miracle of God is that you would believe. It's a miracle of the human heart that you would believe that God came and lived with us and lived as one of us. It's a miracle that you would believe that Jesus was born to a virgin. It's a miracle that you would believe that one born to a virgin is simultaneously 100% human and 100% God. It is a divine miracle that you would believe that a baby would come to save God's people from the penalty of their own rebellion against their holy God. It is a cosmic miracle that you would believe that a baby born to a lowly virgin girl would be both savior and be the king of a never-ending eternal kingdom. 
It is a miracle wrought by God in the power of the Holy Spirit that you would recognize Jesus as he is, as the Christ, the Messiah, the King, and the Lord of all life. Of all life. The great joy of Advent is that God performed a miracle. God has performed a miracle in bringing this baby to be. But a great miracle, the great miracle, the one that fills our hearts with joy at Christmas time is as we remember this, I have believed. I cannot believe that I have believed. I can't believe that I believe this. This is a work of God. This is a miracle that you would believe that he is granted to humble sinners faith to believe faith to declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. So we want to pick up where we're at here with Mary at this time uh, in verse 39. Now at this time, Mary rose and she went in a hurry to the hill country of the city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. So Mary makes haste to obey what was revealed to her by the angel uh, Gabriel. If we look back at verses, uh, at chapter 1, verses 35 through 37, the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was barren, uh, was called barren, is now in her sixth month. For nothing is impo- will be impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible with God. Mary believes what she's been told. And by faith, she hurries to obey the word that she was told. And she hurries to go to the hill country to uh, meet up with her cousin. She's in a hurry. Well, believing what was revealed moved Mary into action. She didn't delay in responding to the good news delivered to her, but she hurried herself. Now, can you imagine this? A young pregnant girl hurries herself. And it says she hurried herself. She's hurrying herself some 80 to 100 miles. This is, this is her hurry to make haste to get to Zachariah's house. 80 to 100 miles. And she hurries herself to get there. We can contrast Mary's faith to the priest Zacharias. Zacharias was also visited by the same angel, Gabriel, in chapter 1. Let's look at verses 11 through 20. And we see this. there's a comparison here with Mary's uh, immediate obedience and faith and Zacharias' unbelief. Let's look at chapter 1, verse 11. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the altar of incense. Zacharias was troubled when he saw the angel and fear gripped him. But the angel said to him, don't be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you will give him the name John. You will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord and he will drink no wine or liquor and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. 
It is he who will go as the forerunner before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to their children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah said to the angel, How will I know this for certain? For I am an old man and my wife has advanced in years. Then the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. So we see that Zacharias is silenced in unbelief. Mary, by faith, has moved to action. Mary has moved to action, and she moves hastily a hundred miles or so to get to her cousin. Mary believed God. What did she believe, though? She believed in the Son of God. She believed that what was impossible with men is only impossible, is only possible through God. That's what she believed. By faith, she recognized that though she was a virgin, she has conceived this Jesus. She has conceived the Son of God in her womb. She believed this by faith. This is a miracle of God in Mary's life that she believed. And belief moved Mary to obedience. Unbelief, as I said, silenced Zechariah. Now, I want to challenge us with this because I was challenged by this myself all week. We obey what we believe. Do we believe that Jesus is the Christ and that he is the Lord? If we believe that, if we believe, why don't we do what he says? I ask myself that question, and the scripture asks that question. If we believe that Jesus is the Christ, and that Jesus is my Savior, and Jesus is my Lord, then the question we have to ask our own hearts and our own selves is then, why don't I do what he says? If we examine our faith in the Lord, we will find that each of us has maybe small corners, some may have big corners of disobedience. And I think we need to constantly ask the Spirit to examine us. And when we do, this becomes our prayer. Lord, I believe. Help me with my unbelief. Help me with the corners of my life where you aren't Lord. Because we obey what we believe. And when we don't obey, it's not because it's because we lack just some faith. It's because we lack real faith. That's where disobedience comes from, doesn't it? It's a lack of faith. It's a lack of trust in who Christ is and who he says he's, he is for us. And what his word tells us that God is for us. When we disobey, it's because we lack faith. We don't fully believe it. When we find, try to find int- intimacy in another place rather than in Christ, it's because we think his, we, we don't trust and believe that his intimacy is enough. That his presence is enough for us. It's a lack of faith. Well, let's look at verse 41. When Mary, uh, heard, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out with a loud voice and said, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached uh, my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. 
And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. So here we have the forerunner of Christ, John the Baptist. While he is in the womb, he recognizes Jesus. While he's in the womb, he's filled with the Holy Spirit and he recognizes who Jesus is. And he, he leaps. He has faith. He has faith. He's been given faith. What a great gift. He believes that, that the baby that is in the womb of his mother's cousin is the Christ. He believes that. He's been given faith to believe it and, it, and he leaps for joy at the presence of his Lord. He recognizes him as though uh, he knows something. The Lord has given to him this idea that this one who was born after me is the one who will come before me. The one whose sandals I will once will say I'm unworthy to untie. This is who this is. And he believes this by faith. He trusts this by faith. The Holy Spirit conceived baby was recognized as the Christ, as the Christ who was to come. The recognition of the Christ to be was given to Elizabeth's baby while he was himself yet unborn. The baby leaped and he recognized Christ the Lord. Next, we should note that Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. It is by the Spirit that she also recognizes the unborn Jesus as the Christ and the Lord. And then you notice her exaltation. She cried out with a, la with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. First, she declares that Mary has found favor from God. Secondly, she's amazed that she too has recognized that the fruit of Mary's womb is the Savior of mankind. Like she can't believe that she believes. Thirdly, she marvels at the grace of God that has caused her to believe. Fourthly, she attributes the joy of her baby to the recognition of Jesus as Lord and Christ. Do you see that? The joy of her baby, she attributes to him believing and knowing that this is the Christ. For when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. He recognized that this is the Christ and this filled him with joy and believing. His joy was in believing. And Elizabeth declares that the joy and the blessing that comes to Mary has been given to her by faith, that she believes that the Lord would fulfill his prophetic word and that she has been given faith to believe that the child she carries is the fulfillment of the promises of God. Do you notice when she says, as she says that, blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. Blessed, happy, joy-filled is the one who believes. That is a miracle of God, friends. For any of us in here who believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, God has performed a miracle in your life. God has performed a miracle in your life. 
Man, I want you to pause and think about that for a second with me, would you? People who are in Christ and believe that he is the Christ, that he is the one who came and died for us, we should be people filled with more joy than anybody on the planet. We should be people who just are flabbergasted and in marvel at the fact that I believe. I can't believe that I believe. I can't believe it, but I believe it. How is it that I believe? She's astonished at this. How has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? She's astonished at her faith. She marvels at the grace of God given to her to believe. She's marveling at that. I think sometimes we take that for granted too much, don't we? I believe. I've been given faith. We kind of think of it as not a big deal. It's a huge deal. It's a huge deal. It's the miracle of God. It is a miracle of God that we would believe. I'm blown away by this miracle. I am blown away by the miracle of faith. I can't understand it. I can't understand why it is me who believes and it isn't my neighbor. I would marvel the same way as Elizabeth when I think about my neighbor. How has it happened to me? How has it happened to me that the Lord has given me faith to believe him? How has it happened to me and not my neighbor Chuck? How has it happened to me? In a sentence, I want to say that we can sum up what's going on here with Elizabeth is she is amazed by amazing grace. She is amazed by grace. She's totally in marvel of this. And the great joy that has filled her soul as the Spirit has revealed to her faith. And by faith, she has come to recognize Jesus as the Lord and Christ while he is yet unborn. Elizabeth declares what the prophet Isaiah announces in uh, Isaiah 40, verse 9. O Zion, that bringest good tidings, get thee up to the high mountain. O Jerusalem, that bringest good tidings, lift up thy voice with strength. Lift it up and be not afraid and say unto the cities of Judah, behold your God. She's saying, behold your God, I believe. Behold your God, I marvel that I believe this. But behold, God has visited us. That God is here, that he is present in this womb, that he has worked a miracle. Why has he come to me? I ask us this to, to ask ourselves this. Do you marvel at the grace of God? Are you amazed that God has given you faith to believe? Are you amazed that you recognize Jesus as he is, the Christ and the Lord? Do you marvel that you were called? David, he marveled that he was called. I'm going to turn to First uh, Chronicles 17. David is called, and he is in awe and marvel that he was called. First uh, Chronicles 17, beginning in verse uh, 16. Then David the king went in and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I? O Lord, and what is my house that you have brought me this far? This is a small thing in your eyes, O God, but you have spoken of your servant's house for a great while to come and have regarded me according to the standard of a man of high degree, O Lord God. 
What more can David still say to you concerning the honor bestowed on your servant? For you know your servant. O Lord, for your servant's sake and according to your own heart, you have wrought all this greatness to make known all these great things. O Lord, there is none like you, nor is there any God beside you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. David was in marvel. He marveled at the faith that God had given him to believe. He marveled at his calling. I would say this, do you want joy this Christmas? Pause for a moment during this Christmas season and marvel at the faith you've been given. Think about the miracle of God working faith into your heart. Remind your heart that it is God who has caused you to recognize who Jesus is. He has performed a miracle in you. See, because you and I were infected by sin such that the disease had rendered us dead to God. See, we don't think often about that as we ought, I don't think. I don't think we think as deeply about the, the effect of sin and what it has really done to us. It is an infection that has rendered us dead. Imagine this, dead. Do dead people have faith? Do dead people believe anything? Dead people need a miracle. Dead people are in need of a miracle. And you and I were all once dead. Dead to God. And God performed a miracle and gave you faith to believe him. He made you alive in Christ. That's an amazing work. It is the miracle of miracles. It's the miracle of Christmas. This makes me marvel at God's grace. We were infected so bad that we couldn't choose him. We were dead. And by grace, through faith, in the power of the Holy Spirit, he made us alive to Christ. And he has given us a heart to believe. To believe what? To believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. That Jesus, born, was 100% man and 100% God. That he is both the Savior and the Lord. The miracle of Christmas, my friends, is that you would believe. That's the miracle, that you would believe. Rejoice that you believe. That you believe that Jesus is the promised Christ. Rejoice that the prophetic word of God has been fulfilled. Rejoice that God has graciously, graciously given you faith to believe that his promise to come again and take his people unto himself will be fulfilled. As we look at, at Luke chapter 1 and verse 45, blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. Happy and joy-filled is the one who believes and trusts that God will and has fulfilled all that his word says. Blessed and joy-filled, happy and filled with joy. And now when we turn ourselves to Mary in verse 46, 
And Mary said, my soul exalts the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my savior. See, this is Mary's hymn. This is known as the Magnificent. Mary here is an antitype of Hannah. It prefigures Mary and Mary's praise of Yahweh. Listen to what 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 9 through 11 says about Hannah. Then Hannah got up after eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She, greatly distressed, prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she made a vow and said, Lord of armies, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your bondservant and remember me, and not forget your bondservant, but will give your bondservant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and a razor shall never come on his head. And now when we look at Mary, she's, Mary is the antitype. This is the, 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 the actualization of her prayer, of Hannah's prayer. She makes this vow. She says, if you look upon my fu- uh, affliction, then this is more fu- fully fulfilled in that God has regarded the humble estate of his bond slave. Verse 48. He has regard for the humble state of his bond slave. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. She exalts the Lord that she believes. Mary exalts the Lord that she believes what the angel said in beginning in verse 30 of chapter 1. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered her and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for this reason, the holy child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she is, who was called barren, is now in her sixth month, for nothing will be impossible with God. This is what she rejoices in. She rejoices that she has faith that God has made the the impossible possible, that, that God has Come and so she exalts the Lord and her spirit has rejoiced in God, her Savior. See, this is from the soul of the redeemed by grace through faith. What is the response? The response of the soul who has been redeemed by grace through faith is exaltation. It is exaltation of the one who has given her the greatest gift, faith. She says, my soul exalts the Lord. What does that mean, to exalt the Lord? Mary lifts high above all other things earthly to glorify and magnify the one, the Lord. Her soul declares, just as Isaiah did, just as Elizabeth did, behold my God. Her spirit has rejoiced that God is her God. She rejoices that God is her God. My soul exalts the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. God has become her God. That God has granted her faith to believe the promises of God and that they have found their yes and their amen in the child that is yet to be born. 
from her womb. Her hymn will echo Elizabeth in verse 43. Her hymn echoes verse 43 in saying, how has it happened to me? How has it happened to me? Do you believe that you believe in Christ because somehow you're smarter than your neighbor? Do you believe that you have been given faith because you have a superior uh, morality to those, the rest of those in your family who don't believe? Do you believe because you come from a better pool of genes somehow? James chapter 4 verse 6 says, God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Proverbs 3, 34, though he scoffs at scoffers, yet he gives grace to the needy. Isaiah 57, 15, for this is what the high and exalted one who lives forever, whose name is holy, says, I dwell in a, whole, in a high and holy place and also with the contrite and the lowly of spirit in order to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Isaiah 66, verse 2, for my hand made all these things, so all these things came into being, declares the Lord. But I will look to this one, to the one who is humble and contrite in spirit, who trembles at my word. God gives grace to the humble. God gives grace to the humble to believe. He considers the humble Mary and he gives her grace. He gives her grace to believe. Finally, church, we ought to consider this. If we consider our own salvation, if we consider how it is that it is amazing grace that we have faith, that it is the miracle of God. Listen to what 1 Corinthians 1 says, 26 through 31. For consider your calling, brothers and sisters. There are not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are. And the insignificant things of the world and the despised God has chosen. The things that are not so that he may nullify the things that are. So that no human may boast before God. But it is due to him. It is due to him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption so that just as it is written, let the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. See, the gospel of Jesus Christ, if it's rightly applied and rightly given, uh, rightly declared, crushes the pride of humankind. The gospel is a pride-crushing message. It is a pride-crushing message. Salvation is a work of God's grace from the very beginning to the end. It is grace that you believe the promises of God. It is grace that you would continue in the faith. It is by grace which you have become what God has already wrought in you in believing. No one may boast in themselves. If one believes, the only boasting is in the God who has given us faith. And Elizabeth, she can't get over the fact that she believes. And Mary magnifies the Lord that she believes. The joy-filled Christian man or woman is the one who cannot get over the grace that has been shown to them. The favor of faith causes the born again to say this, how has it happened to me? It's a miracle of God. When you recognize the miracle of God in believing, your, your soul is filled with joy, isn't it? A great rejoicing that God has given me this gift of faith. It's a pretty incredible story, the gospel is, isn't it? 
The story of Jesus Christ is a pretty incredible story. It's one that defies the logic of human intellect, doesn't it? It defies it. It goes against all that we think, all that we can understand. How is it that I'm going to put my faith and trust in this baby born to a woman? How am I going to believe that she was really a virgin? Do I believe that? Well, I know how pregnancies work. That's not the way they work. They don't work that way. And yet, we believe it. We believe it. Why do you believe it? Because God worked a miracle in your heart. God worked a miracle. He gave you grace. And he worked this miracle in your heart. And now you believe. And you say, how could this have happened to me? Verse 50. And his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. He has done mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, and he's exalted those who are humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, and he sent away the rich empty-handed. He has given help to Israel, his servant, in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his descendants forever. See, the Holy One blesses the humble. Mary rightly understands her position before Yahweh. She rightly understands the attribute of God, His holiness. She declares that God, knowing her humble position, has given her favor. She is favored that she is carrying the Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of His people. She is favored that she believes the word that was declared to her. Her humble estate is not only in the community she lives in, she understands her humble estate spiritually. She understands her humble position spiritually. She rightly understands that. In verse 48, as we look at this, is the uh, eschatological or end times inauguration of the exaltation of the lowly. And I, to explain that better, the idea is that from this point forward, it is always the lowly and the broken and those who are spiritually dead that God exalts and gives grace and faith to. It is those who know their position before holy God that God gives grace to. It's those who are convinced of their helpless estate and this is, from this point forward, this is how the economy of the saved works. God gives grace to the humble. From this time forward, the Lord will save a people who are of humble estate. He saves the people who are not wise. He saves people who are not the nobility, not the strong. God chooses the weak. God chooses the insignificant. God chooses the foolish. He chooses the despised. Mary declares that generation after generation will count the blessing that God has chosen this humble servant and this way to bring about faith. They will count her blessed because she carried the one who was bringing the blessing of salvation to all who have been given faith. And his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. They might say that if... Not everyone is given faith. Is it fair? Is it fair? Some get mercy from God. Some get justice from God. 
But no one gets injustice. Not one gets injustice from God. People have posed this question to R.C. Sproul asking, is it fair? And his response is this, quote, He owes a fallen world no mercy. If we cried out for justice at his hands, we could all receive the just condemnation that we deserve. Justice is what we deserve. Grace is always and ever undeserved. Because if we deserved it, it would not be grace. And he says, no one receives injustice at the hand of God. The elect get the grace that they do not deserve, while the reprobate get the justice that they do deserve. If God decides to pardon one guilty person, just one, that does not mean that those he does not pardon somehow become less guilty. So once again, consider Mary's praise in verse 49. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. She has a right view of her estate. She has a right view of God. Holy is his name. God, who is mighty to save, is that in his holiness, Yahweh exerts his might to bring about righteousness and to bring about mercy. His holiness is demonstrated in his victory over his enemies and in the salvation of his people. He has done mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who were proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down the rulers from their thrones and he has exalted those who were humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty-handed. He has given help to Israel, his servant, in remembrance of his mercy. And he has spoken to our fathers, to Abraham and his descendants forever. And Mary stayed with her about three months and then she returned home. See, in holiness... It is God's holiness that scatters the haughty, prideful heart. It is holiness, the mighty hand of God, that brings down those who have exalted themselves to high positions. Again, positively, though, you see, it is his mercy as he exalts the humble. In mercy, he fills the hungry. This made me pause this week. What are the humble really hungry for? What do the humble hunger for that they get the mercy of God? Are they talking about a full and satisfied belly here? I think not. Those whom God satisfies are the ones who have an appetite. They have been transformed. Their appetite has been transformed by grace through faith. The humble servant of God who receives favor from God has recognized that they are poor in spirit. Those who mourn over the residual sin in their lives, God gives comfort. Those with a new appetite, a new hunger, it is an appetite that hungers and thirsts for the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's what the humble heart hungers for. I hunger for righteousness. That comes from Christ. And as I hunger for that, what does it say here? That, that God fills the hungry with good things. He fills the hunger. He fills those who hunger and thirst for righteousness with the righteousness that is in Christ Jesus. And he gives them faith to believe and trust in that. And it says that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness in the Sermon on the Mount, they shall be satisfied. 
It is those who are satisfied. I believe when you think about that, that is those who are filled to the full. Those who, whose hunger is satiated. Those who hunger and thirst for the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, they will be satisfied. Those who mourn their sin, they will be comforted. Those who are poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Those whom God has graciously given faith to, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He has given help to his servant Israel. He sent Jesus, you see, the true Israel, to fulfill all of the covenant promises of God. And also, Jesus is the representation of Israel. He represents Israel as the true Israel, pure, holy, and blameless, fulfilling all of the covenantal agreements between God and his people Israel. Jesus, Israel, fulfilled them all. He is the one in whom we can trust and have faith because he says in his word that the promises of God find their yes and their amen in Christ Jesus. They find their yes and their amen in, in the one who was born to a lowly servant girl. I would ask you this question this morning. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? If you answer yes, there's one response. Rejoice in God. Shout to the world, behold, my God has given me favor. I have believed. I have believed. I am blessed. Amongst all the people of the earth, I am blessed. Not blessed because I'm a better person than you. I'm not blessed because I'm somehow more morally righteous than the next guy. I am blessed because the God of heaven performed a miracle in my heart and gave me faith to believe. I am favored of God because I have faith. What an amazing truth. What an amazing thing that we ought to celebrate this Christmas. I want, I want everyone in this room to think about that as you gather with your families at Christmas. And they say, what is the reason for your joy, Michelle? The reason for my joy is this. God performed a miracle in my life and he gave me faith. He gave me faith to believe in the coming Christ. And I believe in him. I put my faith and my trust in him. And guess what? All of God's word will be fulfilled in him and has been. And the things that he tells me about the future are true. That Christ is coming again and he's going to take me to himself. And how do you know? I know because God performed a miracle in my heart and I believe it. That's what I celebrate this Christmas. I hope that we all do.